All right. Um, do we have uh, the ability to do the questions? Is that? Is that? Okay. We're going to try. So we have, uh, if you want to just click that bottom screen. Um, right down at the bottom. And it's going to pop up on the side. And it's going to say, there we go, paradox.church forward slash sermon. So if you have questions during my sermon today, you can jump online to that address, type in your question, and then we'll see it. And, uh, and then if, it's, you know, if it reaches the mark, uh, then I'll answer it. And uh, No, not really. I'll, I'll more than likely answer any question um, that's related to the sermon. So, uh, yeah, you can ask me personal questions later on. Uh, but that's, that'll be there. We'll leave that up for you. And we're continuing our uh, Beats series uh, Again, following through. So everything that's all kind of around this movement transition into uh, just being a, a missional people, uh, seeing God's kingdom come, making disciples, all that sort of good stuff. Uh, how good was Amy's sermon last week? Uh, I wasn't here, um, but I, I listened to it and, uh, and I, was, I got born again, again. And so, um, so that was great, uh, but a great, just a great, good, challenging word. And Sometimes we need that really just to come back to the simplicity of what Jesus has called us to, amen. And that's really even what this whole Beat series is about, is just coming back to the simplicity of what God calls us to do. And we can get caught up in so many complex things in the Christian life or even just responsibilities of, of life, work, finances, family, friendships, all of that sort of stuff, global pandemics, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that, uh, that we can sometimes take our eyes off the simple things that Jesus called us to do. And so that's what it's about, simple and yet uh, profound. So this morning, uh, as we continue on, and uh, you're going to receive your little Beats card this morning. Hooray! I know you've been like aching for a couple of months now. When are we going to get the cards, Brad? I can't go on any longer. So uh, your prayers have been answered today. Uh, and you'll receive, we'll, we'll hand those out a bit later. Uh, but one of the uh, parts of the kind of BEATS framework is what we're calling DNA groups. Um, so this is, uh, well, I'm going to explain what they are. Uh, but essentially, there's three parts to a DNA group. So again, I love uh, uh, acronyms. And so the first part of it is discipleship. So the idea of a DNA group is kind of a grouping of three or four people of the same gender within the church community or maybe outside of our church community as well. Um, and they could be people that are peers in, your, in the faith journey or they could be people that you're discipling or you might be part of a DNA group of someone that's discipling you. Okay, um, so the first part of a DNA group is discipleship. And so there's questions on here, and essentially it's when you get together, kind of weekly, fortnightly, that you would have some questions that you would be asking each other. And the first is to reflect on your beats with one another. What are some things to celebrate? What are some areas of growth from the week? So if you are not caught up, you're like, beats, what are you talking about? Um, I probably should do an overview of that. So if we go back to the beats screen, the overview, so it is B for bless, E for eat, A for abide, T for train, and S for sent. So this is a framework to help us to uh, engage with the mission of God in our life, that we would seek to bless people, that we would seek to eat with others as a, as a missional lifestyle, as we were to seek to abide with the Holy Spirit, 
that we'd be trained in learning who Jesus is and who he desires for us to be, and that we'd understand that we are sent as missionaries by God into the world, okay? On the cards as well, we have our reflection questions. So again, sometimes we can say, I've got intentionality, but then reflecting on that and saying, how well am I doing to accomplish these things? So then on the cards, there's some reflection questions, which you do in your own time. But then as you get together with your DNA group, you'd be like, hey, how am I going with living this life for Jesus? How am I going following him? How am I going with spending time abiding with the Holy Spirit? How did I go, you know, eating with, with Christians and non-Christians this week with the intention of building community? How, how am I going living as a sent one to bring the kingdom of God into my world this week? And so that's what it's all about. So the first part of, and the first intentionality around getting into your DNA group is discipleship. The second part is nurture. Actually, no, I'm going to say a couple more things. So you are a disciple of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're a disciple of Jesus, so you're desiring to be like him. So it's being a disciple, it's making disciples, and it's making disciples who make disciples. That's the way that Jesus set the church up to work. It wasn't get a big crowd together and then grow that big crowd more and more. It's actually one-to-one building relationship, building connection, making disciples and seeing the church multiply through that framework. And as I've said the last couple of times I've shared, we're going to give you tools as to how to make disciples. Because you might go, Brad, love the idea. Yes, Jesus says, go and make disciples. I want to do what Jesus said. I want to obey his commands. How do I do that? Okay, now if you've got that question rolling around your head, it's a really good question to ask and we're going to answer that question with a whole bunch of tools to help you to do that. So don't worry if you're like, I don't know what to do. We're going to show you what to do. Amen? So the second part of a DNA group is nurture. So it's caring for one another. It's keeping the priority of people, not of tasks. So we don't want to start to look at our life with God being all about accomplishing tasks and ticking off boxes and kind of driving something to happen. And this can happen even in the church where people end up kind of burnt out doing a whole lot of Christian activity. But it's so important that we are understanding that God desires to nurture us. He is good to us. He cares for us. He provides for us. And we are to do that to one another. So the Bible says that people will know. Jesus said, people will know that you belong to me, that you're one of my disciples by the way that you love one another. So love, nurture, care is part of our discipleship journey. And a DNA group is there, not just to help to disciple one another, but also to provide a place of nurture and care and support. The reality is discipleship and mission, the kingdom is all about people. God is all about people. God is ultimately about his glory filling the earth, but the way that he's chosen to do that and his intentionality is to love people. Amen? I know this is not new stuff. I feel like as a community... We've done many, many years of developing a, a culture of nurture, a culture of family, uh, where we, we call it the heart journey. Like, we really care about people. We really care about the, the inner world of people's lives. We really care about not using and abusing people, even if the goal is really good. 
we have chosen as a, as a culture to not use people to achieve any sort of goal. So you might say, oh, well, look, we could, we could see more people get saved or we could grow this church bigger or we could do more of this or do more of that. And you could say, well, that's, it's really good to see more people meet Jesus. Oh, that's a good thing for the church to grow. Yeah, it's a good thing for, for more ministries and outreaches and opportunities and things to happen. But if it's at the cost of people, it's kind of working against itself. You know, it's like you're robbing people to, to, to bless other people. It just doesn't make sense. And I don't think it's actually necessary to do that. So we say, like, it's a real high priority that people are loved and cared for. Okay? Now, people are challenged. We want to challenge you. We want to encourage you. We want to uh, you know, uh, push you uh, off the cliff to see you fly in the best of ways. Okay? So it's not just around, oh, oh, well, whatever you want and whatever you think is best. Okay, we'll just kind of fluff the nest around you. Because God's not like that either. But it is a matter of we're not going to swing to the other way where it goes. It's just all about just kill yourself for the sake of Jesus. You know, burn yourself out for the sake of the kingdom. That's not going to happen there. I don't think it's God's heart. I don't think it's an example in the Bible. But I feel like that's something that we've kind of, we're quite good at. Okay. Now, can we get better at? Absolutely. Is it still a growth journey? Absolutely it is. But that's something that uh, it's important that we find. It's like, so I'm, I'm getting together with this, this small group of people. And it's going to be about discipleship, but I know I'm, I'm going to actually going to be cared for in this place. It's not going to be like, well, did you answer the questions? Did you do the task? Did you, did you bless enough people this week? Did you abide long enough with Holy Spirit? Did you, you know, and it's all about ticking boxes. It's not about ticking boxes. This is about seeing a vision and a goal and saying, I want my life to look like that, but I need people to help me along on that journey. So don't put up the third bit yet. Um, so the third, the A part of it, and I just want to use a little bit of an, uh, an illustration uh, for you, and it involves Lego. <laughs> I just see, I just look at my son Noah, his eyes pop up, <gasps> Lego. So um, I realized last night that I probably could have just borrowed a set from, from my son Noah, who has lots of um, sets. Um, and then I realized, but then I wouldn't get to build it. So uh, I, I chose to go down the path of building. So uh, this is, this is uh, now my Lego tractor. Uh, very exciting. It comes with a little bunny rabbit, uh, which is pretty cute. Um, so when it, when it comes to, to building anything in our lives, when it comes to building change, uh, building new kind of habits, when we have... It's like, I want to go from where I am today to be something and someone different. Often we do this at the beginning of the year, you know, New Year's resolutions. It could be fitness and health. I might say, I have a, a vision. I have a picture of what that end game looks like. And that's what we get when we look at the box and we say, there's a picture of this is what I want to build. This is what I want the thing to look like. So it's really important that we start with the vision. We start with a vision of what we want to see. So for us, it's like when it comes to beats and everything like that, it was like, well, there's a vision of what we want to see come out of this at a personal level, but also a corporate level. So we have, first thing we have is the vision. The next thing we need is the instructions. So the instruction booklet. So this is what I would consider 
in a church context, this is the equipping part of what you get given. So the Bible gives us instructions as a church when we teach and equip, we're given instructions. So we're like, here's the vision, okay? Now here's the plan as to how I'm gonna get there. The beats, cards, all the stuff that we've taught on, that's a plan. That's the instructions as to how to get from a vision to ultimately the finished product. So the next thing we need is the resources, all the parts. Now this can come in the form of, um, you know, tools that we can be given, could be booklets, it could be even a little card that you can stick in your phone or in your wallet to remind you. Uh, It's also all of our gifts and abilities. Because the reality is everything that Jesus calls us to do, he has equipped us to be able to do that. So, well, how do I, uh, you know, bless people? Well, God's given us the ability to bless. He's given us hands and feet. He's given us gifts and talents. He's given us a mouth that can speak, arms that can hug. You know, we can, we can do that journey with people. So there's part of it that we need to go from the vision to the finished product. We need those resources. And that comes through supporting one another. It comes through learning and being equipped to actually obey those things. And then finally, what we get is the finished product. Ooh. So if you'll notice, we've got the vision at one end. I can see this tractor but really that's just a picture of what I want to see. And ultimately what we want to get to is to have the outcome of the finished product in the end. So that we'd go from this vision of of making disciples, of seeing God's kingdom come. Okay, I love the vision. I hear the vision, but then I need to understand, I need to be equipped. I need to be resourced. And then ultimately we're going to come to that end product. But as you can see, there's a piece missing. There's a missing piece to this whole thing. And it is the A from DNA. And it is accountability. Ooh. It's not actually missing from there. It doesn't fit, but you know, it's, a, it's an illustration, people. So I believe that accountability is often the missing piece between the dream and the destiny between the starting line and the finish line, that accountability is often this missing piece that we need to keep us on track as to where we are desiring to end up in our lives. Now, if you've been in the church for any period of time, you've probably heard this word before, and it may leave a not-so-sweet taste in your mouth. Because sometimes accountability can be used in the wrong kind of way and it can take the wrong focus and approach. But really the best way to understand accountability is accounting for our ability. So what we're doing when we are keeping one another accountable, we are making sure that someone is living up to the fullness of their ability. It's not accounting for someone's inability. And so if the focus of accountability is primarily around where someone's doing something wrong and we need to get around each other to stop each other from doing bad things, I don't think that's the role of of the kingdom intentionality of what accountability is for. 
Accountability is about how we're going to achieve the fullness of all that God has for each person. How are you going to walk in the fullness of life that Jesus purchased for you? How are you going to fulfill the destiny and the calling and the plans that God has for your life? That's what accountability is for. And the reality is accountability is not for people who don't want it. So if we look at our life with God, our faith journey, from the perspective of trying to avoid punishment by God and to try and get into God's good books, then we can view accountability from kind of through that lens. I need people around me to stop me doing bad things. Otherwise, God's going to be angry with me and I'm going to be in his bad books. Okay, that's one way you can view your life with God. And this is the reality, like in the natural, this is kind of what the police and the courts do. The police aren't often aware of how much good you're doing. I remember years ago, I I, I used to think about how cool it would be if if we started to encourage the police to pull people over when they saw them doing the right thing. I used to have a bit to do with my local council in Quinana. I thought, this would be great. Like give them even like a $20 iTunes card. And you imagine you're driving somewhere, you indicate properly on a roundabout, which would be a, a miracle in this city. And you do that and the police go, that guy, he, someone, someone indicated properly on a roundabout. Let's pull that guy over and say, here, we just want to encourage you and bless you uh, for doing the right thing. Okay? I don't, this doesn't tend to happen. Okay? It's never happened to me. But, but it probably would be a great idea. But you know what I mean? So it, it's, that's kind of what the, the police and the courts, they uphold the law to stop those who are disobeying the law. Okay, so it's a very kind of negative approach. That's the role of what they're doing in society is to stop people doing bad things. Okay, it's about avoiding punishment. But if our understanding of accountability is connected to following laws, ticking boxes, doing the right thing, and avoiding punishment, then we'll focus all of our energy on not doing the wrong thing rather than excelling in doing the right thing. And I want to encourage you, if if your approach to life is, I am going to excel in doing what is right, you will naturally stop doing what is wrong. And, I, and I, do, I do see in the church, there's a culture of kind of sin-focused approach of just stop doing bad things. And yet Jesus, I don't see Jesus taking so much of a focus on stop doing bad things. He's saying, excel in doing good things. Seek first my kingdom and righteousness. He's even saying, you don't even need to worry about provision, daily provision. Seek first my kingdom and righteousness, go after righteousness, go after the manifestation of my kingdom to receive it for yourself and to bless others with it. So it's this approach of excelling in doing what is good. Accountability can't be forced on people. That's law, that's punishment, and that's not the way of the kingdom. Jesus has paid the price for your sin. Jesus has taken the punishment for your sin. If you put all of your focus on, now I'm not saying I'm just going to ignore all the sin in my life. Not at all. But if your focus is all on that, then you'll, you'll end up putting all of your energy on not doing what is bad. And what you'll get, you'll end up at this kind of middle road of like, 
finally, I haven't done anything bad today. It's been a whole week since I did anything bad. And the question is, did you do anything good? Well, no, but I didn't do anything bad. That's kind of good, but I think you've missed the point of what Jesus is empowering you to do in your life. So we must invite accountability into our lives. We must invite others to say, can you keep me and call me to account for my abilities? And that way, when we are challenged by those around us, we know that this is actually what we've invited into our lives. This is sometimes where confrontation can go bad in relationship because the assumption is, so if I'm journeying with someone, my assumption is they want to excel in life. And if they're stuck doing something that's causing them not to thrive, then I want to come in and say, hey, it doesn't look like you're thriving here. Can we, can we talk about this thing? And then when there's this pushback, it's like, you're, you know, you're, you're kind of forcing yourself in. But the assumption is, oh, I thought you wanted that kind of level of accountability. Oftentimes, you know, uh, every, you know probably every, every once in 10 years or something, uh, Lisa and I have a, you know, a little disagreement about something. Uh, that's not true. Uh, that's a lie. I'm lying. Um, but, you know, we have disagreements. That happens in married life, Okay. Oftentimes, in that conversation, not an argument, it's a conversation, um, we end up kind of circling around and getting back to this point where we say, what are you fighting for? What do you desire? And then the other person, and, and what do you desire? It's like, okay, so we're, we're actually fighting for the same thing, and yet we're having a disagreement. But ultimately, we've both got the same goal. We want... We want our relationship to look a particular way. We want our family to function a particular way. We want to see our kids thrive in a particular way. But we can focus all of our energy on arguing about what is going wrong rather than saying, are we actually on the same page and we're fighting towards the same thing? Because otherwise you end up feeling like you're enemies and yet you're fighting for the same goal, which doesn't make sense. And oftentimes that's the greatest place because we come back to this place, oh, that's right, we're on the same team. Ah, yeah. And then, but when we realize we're on the same team, it's like, okay, so then we're actually fighting together. We're alongside each other, fighting for the same goal. And when that's understood, then when there's kind of course corrections, when there's accountability, when there's encouragement, then it helps us to go, that's right, we're on the same page, moving in the same direction. And this is what accountability does, is to say, well, I've got a vision for my life and I desire to see the outcome, but I need to draw people around me. They're going to keep me moving on that trajectory towards the goal that I desire to see. So we invite accountability because we, desired, we desire the finished product. So it's saying, hey, can you please help me to reach the goals I'm desiring in my life? So even as we look at this, at the, the beats outline, being a disciple of Jesus, loving God, loving others, making disciples, bringing the kingdom, all of this sort of great stuff. If you look at that as a vision and say, I'm actually, I, I'm not buying into that vision. I'm not interested in that vision. Then the, the whole rest of the process becomes irrelevant. And you have all freedom before God to not agree with the vision. 
I, it's, I think you need to put some serious thought into and some serious biblical uh, study into why you would disagree with it. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, because to me, it's all there. But you might say, no, nah, I'm just... I'm, I don't want to do. I don't want to make disciples. I don't want to see the kingdom come. I'm not really interested in loving God or loving other people. Um, I don't know what you're doing here, but uh, so I'm assuming that none of you are on that page. But the reality is, we've got to say, no, no, yeah, I've got a vision to 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 thrive in life with Jesus, to see people get saved, to see disciples made, to see His kingdom come and transform my neighborhood, my city, the nations. Absolutely. Okay. Well then. We're going to equip you in that. You've got the resources in yourself. And I, what I love about the beat stuff is this is really simple, everyday, practical stuff. You don't need a theological degree. You can just be you, building relationship, loving those around you. Okay? But to get to that end game, we need others around us to help us to stay on track. So we first need to decide, do I want for my life what Jesus wants for my life? So if the answer is yes, it's going to take some intentional decision-making. It's going to take some intentional behaviors for that to come about. If discipleship just happened, I don't even need to think about it. It just happens. Then I would assume that Jesus wouldn't have needed to command us to do it. Because again, it's not even an encouragement from Jesus. It's a command. Go and do this thing. Go and make disciples of all nations. Go and immerse them in the reality of of Trinitarian community. Go and teach them how to obey what I've commanded them. So that's why we're taking it seriously. But we've got to say, yeah, that's what I want to do. Then inviting people in. Now, when it comes to us heading in the wrong direction, I think it's something where part of accountability can be like, I'm actually heading off course. But when I've got, faithful people around me that love me and care for me and know where I'm desiring to head to, then I invite them in to bring course correction. If we're stuck in sin, then it gives us that opportunity to acknowledge, that's right, I'm actually heading towards sin. I'm not heading towards the goal that Jesus has and I have for my life. I'm actually heading off in another direction. In the same way, if if my vision was to, you know, to, to to have a certain level of fitness, and then I'm spending every day eating donuts. Then you would assume the accountability would say, hey, Brad, I know what your vision is. And I know what the goal you're desiring to reach. But I'm pretty sure donuts don't get you from not being healthy to being healthy. I know this is revelation bombs are dropping on people right now. I can just feel it in the room. Spirit of revelation. Psh, no, Brad. No. Idols are coming down. Maybe. No. Um, but it gives, so we need sometimes that kind of confrontation in, in that place. But it gives me the opportunity to acknowledge, that's right, I'm stuck in sin. I get to confess and repent, and then others help me to stay on that path towards what God has for my life. The reality is, enthusiasm can wane, difficulties can come on the journey. We can even sense opposition sometimes to the next step that God would have us to take. Accountability helps us to stay focused. It gives us courage to endure. It releases grace to push through. 
It reminds us of who we are and who God is in those moments where I feel like I just don't feel like I can do it. Then someone's next to you to say, but Brad, you know who God is. You know what He's done and you know what He's desiring to do. We're gonna get around and we're gonna pray and we're gonna see His grace come, His empowering presence and we're gonna see you move from where you are into that next place. Or we're gonna pray together against whatever opposition it is. We're gonna create a a safe space where you can confess the sin that's holding you back and you're feeling stuck and bound in. DNA groups are for those who want to grow, who want to love God, who want to love others, who want to make disciples, who want to bring God's kingdom, who want to bless, who want to abide with Holy Spirit, who want to learn to be more like Jesus, who want to live sent out as missionaries. And again, so if you don't want that, this is, this is sorry for wasting your time this morning, um, but it's, it's the reality. So we're not gonna force people to be in DNA groups. We're just saying, hey, we feel like this is a really good tool And it might be the missing piece, particularly accountability, might be that missing piece to get you from your vision to your goal of following Jesus. So we're encouraging you to then say, yeah, no, that's what I I desire for me. Then we just release you to go and to do that, okay? So again, a reminder, a DNA group, three or four people of the same gender, the reason for that just allows a safe space where you can share struggles, sin, all of that sort of stuff. Obviously, you want it to be people who are trusted. That's in a peer group. If you're discipling other people, then you want to exercise wisdom as to how much you share, maybe with someone who's a new Christian. Okay, so that's up to you. Um, I would encourage you to have maybe a couple of DNA groups. So you might have one with people like, I need some accountability. I need some encouragement on my journey following Jesus. So I'm going to have some peers around me. But then my delight would be that you would find some people who, but I know there's some people in my life that I could help to disciple. Some people who are younger in the faith journey. And it might even be someone at your work and you've just been sharing your faith with them, sharing your testimony, sharing your journey. And they're like, hey, I'm interested in this Jesus guy. I'm interested in learning more. He said, well, let's get together. And we're gonna, we're gonna talk about Jesus. We're gonna share. We're gonna, we're gonna maybe read the Bible together, pray together, but I'm gonna help you. So you start a DNA group with a couple of work colleagues, a couple of friends from school, whatever it is. But that's kind of the place where we'll see the kingdom multiply is through those relationships. And not just multiply with people putting their hands up and saying the sinner's prayer, but people who are actually journeying and growing in what it is to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. That's when we see the kingdom come. Not people putting up their hands and saying a prayer. That can be a starting point, but it's when people are discipled into the likeness of Jesus. Because then all of a sudden, it's not just a bunch of Christians meeting in a room. It's a bunch of little Jesuses scattered right across our city every single week in every neighborhood, giving opportunity to share the good news of the kingdom of God. So it's catching up weekly or fortnightly to work through the questions to pray together. And I want to encourage you, you can be anywhere on your journey with God, anywhere on your faith. You might be right at the beginning and you can start. If you're one step ahead of someone, that's what you've got to offer someone who's coming behind. Because remember, we're not discipling people to be like us. We're discipling people to be like Jesus. Now, there is an element, as the Apostle Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. The reality is we also don't want to lack integrity and say, yeah, you just do all the things that Jesus did while I'm not. So there should be, if people look at my life, there's like, hey, there's something intriguing about you. 
I want to know what it is. And you can say, it's all Jesus, and I can introduce you to him. But some of that's going to come through our lives. Yeah? So I'm going to hand out these cards. I know everyone's like, Oprah, you get a card, you get a card. Um, So they're all nice, printed, rounded corners. They've got a little line in the middle so they can fold in half. So massive thanks, particularly. So Jess um, and, and Andrew kind of were the ones who, who put these together. Um, and we had just lots of discussion around that. So as you'll see, even on these reflection questions, we're really intentional about trying not to create kind of a religious framework for ticking boxes. Okay, but in everything with accountability, it's not about, so when you get together with your DNA group, it's not, did you do all of the things this week? No, you didn't. Oh, you're going to try harder. If it's like, hey, who did I seek to bless this week? I, I, I was hoping and I was going to try and bless my work colleague this week or my neighbor this week. Okay, did you, did you do that? No, I didn't. I got really caught up or it turns out that they're actually on holidays so I couldn't do that. Awesome. So I'm going to try again next week. Great. Is that confronting? No, if you're feeling bad, you're worried and you're going to get in trouble, there's something that's out of sync in the culture of your DNA group, okay? Because the, the reality is, no, I'm wanting that. We're all wanting the same thing so we're all going to encourage and inspire, yeah? You know, the word encourage means to Put courage into someone. So it's the expectation that it'd be a place of encouragement. Amen? So we're just going to leave that with you. We're gonna, we'll, we'll talk about it more and just encourage people to keep focusing in on that. It might be something within your life hub you can discuss. There might be a starting point for, uh, for getting together and journeying with people. Um, but this is a tool. This is another tool in the equipping process for you. Okay, if it seems overwhelming, that's okay. Start small. Okay, start with the basic. You might say, oh, Brad, how can I, I'm going to bless and eat with people and abide and train and live and do all these things. It's like, no, just start with one. Okay, but these are, we've called them rhythms because they're habits. I've been listening to a, a leadership podcast the last couple of weeks, but it's a quote from someone that says, people don't often rise to their goals but they fall to the level of their habits. So we can have goals all we want. We can have a great vision. I oh mean, I've got this amazing vision. I'm gonna, and oftentimes it starts at the beginning of the year. Man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read 50 chapters of the Bible a day. I'm gonna pray for three hours. I'm gonna, you know, see 100 people saved. I'm gonna do all of these things. I'm just gonna be great and fantastic. And oftentimes we have all of these big goals, but then we get to the end of the year and maybe 99% of those goals are still just goals and a vision, okay? Because we do need equipping and we need the resources, but oftentimes it's that accountability piece, okay? But if you're wanting to start new rhythms, it just starts small with one little thing, and you start to do that until it becomes almost an automated part of your life, okay? Habits are really important. Rhythms of in your life are really important. And that's what I do like about this is that it just keeps us intentionally focused on 
ways to see the kingdom come, ways to see disciples made, ways to see people blessed and encouraged and nurtured and loved. Amen? All right, we are going to worship Jesus some more, and I'm going to pray, and we're going to ask questions while the team comes up. Questions coming. They're coming. Okay. Yeah. Hold on. Cross the finish line. Yeah. We have one question. How do I join a DNA group? especially if I don't know many people in church yet? That's a great, great question, and we've talked about that amongst the team. So my encouragement would be to talk to your Life Hub leader as your first kind of port of call. Um, and again, it might be something that's like, hey, I'm new here, I don't really know people. Um, first good step is to start to get to know people. But, and if you're not in a Life Hub, then talk to, to Lindley and she'll get you connected into a, a smaller kind of community of people here. Um, but it's really just, yeah, to start looking for people that you're building relationship with, growing in friendship with. Again, if, especially if you're new in the community, um, but we'd love to. And it might be something where there's all of a sudden we find out from th- there's three different people who don't have a lot of relationships here that say, well, that's a great starting point for a DNA group because it's a really good place to get to know people uh, is in that place of kind of close community connection sharing. Yep. What is the difference between discipleship, nurture and accountability inside a life hub and inside a DNA group? Yep. Uh, so a DNA group provides, I think, a, a closer, more intentional opportunity for discipleship, nurture, and accountability. So our Life Hubs still exist, but they are designed, again, to be a a broader place of nurture and family community building, but also a place, and this is something we're transitioning into this year, it's also a place where we can draw others into that space of community. So again, I think we find that um, some people are really gifted as evangelists. Now, we're all called to evangelize, but some are really gifted as evangelists, and they're often people who just can draw people into relationship and connection, okay? But if you're really great at evangelism and you're connecting with 10 people, 20 people, 30 people, and then you're expected to disciple all of those people, it's gonna really, you're going to really struggle with that. Then there's somebody else maybe in your life hub and they're just not great at doing that initial connection, drawing people in, but they just, they just have so much time just to sit and listen or they love just to do little Bible studies together or they'd love to spend time with people. Okay, so then they're sitting there with no one to disciple because they're just not great on the kind of, you know, the cold call connection thing. So you put those two people together in a life hub. Now all of a sudden you've got this place of connection where someone could be drawing people in and then they start to build connection with others in the life hub and then that discipleship journey starts to flourish because it's not all dependent on one person. So this is kind of group corporate discipleship of people. Okay, so it could be, again, you've got a, a family that lives next door to you and you're like, hey, we're having a barbecue with our Life Hub, come. And you're inviting then people in to experience, this is what it looks like 
when, when Christians hang out together. And again, this is as that scripture I quoted earlier, people will know you're my disciples by the way that you love one another. So there's a couple of parts in that. The first is that obviously there's love happening amongst the discipling community. So in the church that we are loving one another. So again, as we talk a lot about conflict and resolving conflict, it's really important because it's not just a personal issue, it's a gospel issue because you reflect the kingdom. So if you've got bitterness or hatred or disconnection or conflict with people, you're actually displaying an an opposite kingdom to the kingdom of God. Side note, not in the sermon, freebie, there you go. Um, But what it does also mean, then people know you, my disciples, by the way that you love one another. It means we're going to be loving one another in the presence of those who aren't disciples, of those who don't know Jesus. And that is, again, a great place to do that in a life hub. So we don't tend to kind of view life hubs, oh, it's just where Christians get together, they do a Bible study, or they have a good time together, they share a meal. I'm not saying those things are bad, but if our focus isn't outward looking, then we miss an amazing opportunity to actually draw people into community. And then as they come into community, then they might start to build more relationships and friendships. So again, I've got lots of stories where people, someone else might be that first port of call in relationship, but then I come along and connect with them. Then we start to build connection and relationship. Then all of a sudden you've got three or four people around helping someone to journey towards Jesus. We've got a, a volunteer that helps out with, um, with Soul and the crew and, and different things. And, and a couple of us have kind of just been journeying with them, building relationship. But then it was actually maybe the most unlikely person that we heard about had a conversation about their faith journey. And they shared really deeply with this person. And it wasn't someone of a peer age, it was like an older person. You go, well, I would never have put that together but it's this, you know, so sometimes it, it, that's the reality where even as the Apostle Paul says, you know, some people will, will plant the seed, some people will water, you know, each of us has a, a, a part in that journey of someone's faith with God. Um, so as we invite people into that and into that life hub kind of context. So it's kind of drilling down from this bigger kind of community gathering here. And then we come down into that smaller family framework of a life hub. And then smaller than that is the, the more kind of intimate, closer, intentional, like, man, I just want to I I do what God has called me to do. And I need some people, brothers or if you're female, sisters around me to help me to achieve that goal. Hopefully that answered it. We all good? Awesome. All right. Why don't you stand? Father, we desire that this place when we gather, Lord, would be a place of miracles, Lord. But Father, we know that this house will become a house of miracles when each one of us as a house, as a dwelling place, becomes a place of miracles, Lord. So we thank You, Father, You have placed Your Spirit in each born-again believer, Lord, that they would become a house of miracles. So Father, I just declare over each person here, You are a house of miracles, that You have the miracle-working God dwelling inside of You. Thank You, Lord. Even as the Apostle Paul says, if He who raised Christ from the, from the dead dwells in you, how much more will He not give life to your mortal bodies through the same Spirit? So we think that we have the life giver in us. We have resurrection power in us, Lord. But Father, would You give us a new vision, Father, for what that looks like to take it into our workplaces, 
to bring your miracle working power into our families, Lord, to bring your miracle working power into our neighbourhoods, Lord, into the schools and universities in our region, Lord, into politics and government in our region, Lord, into media in our region, Lord, that every mountain would start to see miracle working power because every believer would start to understand and recognise that they carry the very presence of God, that they carry the very miracle working God in them by the Holy Spirit. So I just pray, Lord, You would uncap the wells this morning, God. Uncap the wells, the miracle wells, Lord. I see see mindsets coming off, Lord. Mindsets lifting off, Father, the uncapping of the wells, Lord. Father, it's not in our physical, it's not in the spiritual, Lord, it's in our mindsets. So Father, we take authority, Lord, over every mindset, God, every stronghold, Lord, that would set itself up against the knowledge of Christ. And I command a tearing down right now in Jesus' Name. Would You shift the mindsets, Lord? Would You lift off the capping of the wells, Lord? And would You let the miracles flow, God? Would our minds come into agreement with Your miracle working power? Would our hearts come into agreement with Your miracle working power? Our spirit is in agreement, Lord. Let our soul, let our body, let our mind say, Yes, Lord, You're gonna work miracles through me this week, Lord. Yes, Lord, I'm gonna see Your miracles breaking out, Lord, as I stretch out my hand, Lord, as I open my mouth, Lord. Miracles are gonna start to flow. We thank You for miracles this week, Jesus. We thank You for more testimonies, Lord, of miracles breaking out this week. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus. No more passing that off to someone else, but to say, I have miracle working power in me. Why don't you just say that? Just declare, I have miracle working power in me because I have the Holy Spirit in me. There is nothing that can stop the flow of the Kingdom through me, not even the gates of hell, not any work of the devil can prevent me from releasing the power and the fullness of the Kingdom of God through me. Thank You, Jesus. We pray Your breakthrough this week, Your blessing this week, Father. And You would open up the doors, Lord, to say, give us a vision for what You have, Lord. Thank You, Jesus. And we do pray, Lord, the missing peace, Lord, that missing peace, Father, we would invite it into our lives, Lord, that we would draw brothers or sisters around us to keep us on that path. Thank You, Father. Thank You, Jesus. We love You. We bless You and we receive Your blessing this morning. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen. Bless you, family. We love you. We're encouraged by you and your lives. And I just say, be released to go and make disciples to see His Kingdom come. Amen.